irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm. Horse Ownership Experience is brought to you by TaylorMade. Call Travis White, 859-396-3508. Book your mare to Midnight Storm, Mishawish, California Chrome, Not This Time. Great roster at TaylorMade Stallions. I'm Billy Koch. This is the Horse Ownership Experience. It is Tuesday, hold on, May 28th. I'm with Michelle Yu. Michelle, you there? I am. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Uh, Billy, forgot to say that you were the founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing. You're so good at that. I just Which I did not screw up this week. No, you did, it re- you did it really well, Michelle, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm a little down this morning. I just, the this the press about Santa Anita, um, the HBO show that came out, which I thought was a complete farce. Sorry, HBO, I'm a big fan of yours, but that piece was ridiculous. Old footage of kill pens and things happening at Mountaineer Park. If you're going to do a story on Santa Anita, do the story on Santa Anita and do it as uh, on what we've done there and, and how we've constantly come together and tried to improve our game and improve the safety and well care of our animals that we love. I'm um, just getting tired of the narrative. I get calls on a daily basis when it's in the LA Times. Michelle, I know you can't talk about this stuff, but um, I think w- we need more than ever to get our voices heard. And uh, it just seems like no matter what we do, uh, the narrative continues to be negative. And it, what it, what happens, Michelle, is people who don't understand what's going on just add fuel to the fire. Um, and Can that's the problem. this, though? There's a people that should understand what's going on that are still fueling the fire the bad way. Like people Who's in our that? industry are saying things that are absolutely <sighs> ridiculous. I, I mean, I can't even believe some of the things coming out of yeah. their mouths. Okay. All right. Well... Listen, we we have a great show. We're going to talk about uh, all the races, the amazing weekend of holiday weekend of racing at Santa Anita and other places. Uh, Ryan Flanders is going to join us. Ryan is a contest player. He's going to give us some tips and some guidelines to play. It's kind of, to me, uh, handicapping contests are really, really becoming more and more popular. And I think it's cool. I want to have Ryan on. I want to talk about his strategies for live money or when it's just the $2 win and place bets and those tournament pick and pray. Um, and hopefully he'll get some insight on which tournaments to play in, how to get to the NHC, stuff like that. So we'll talk Can to I Ryan shortly. There was a contest this weekend that I entered that was a pick and pray contest. Yeah. And it was like a feeder. And it was at uh, Belmont. So like the first three races, I did really good. And then they took the races off the grass. Well, Bye-bye. then like, and then it started to rain. So then like everything changed and all my picks are locked in. You can't make any changes. So my whole thing like went to capoosh. Capoosh. Like even my alternates and everything all scratched. So it was like, what do you do? 
<laughs> no, no bueno. Right? That's why I like those live ones better than I don't like the pick and pray really. You know, the only reason I do is because then like you're kind of locked into the horses yeah, that you like, right? right? And it's not like someone coming at last minute and just like wailing a bomb. Right. So I like that aspect of it. And I like the aspect that I can like do it in the morning or like the night before and then it right. gets done. And like when I'm working, obviously I don't have time to like keep updating. So I rarely even check. Right. So I do like those two I understand. aspects. Yeah, that's good. Well, we'll talk to Ryan all about that in about 15 minutes. Michelle, let's talk recap. There was some really, really good racing at San Anita this weekend that I'm sure our people would love to hear about that didn't get a chance to watch the races here on the Horse Ownership Experience. I'm sure that they would. Um, so we'll start off with the three grade ones yesterday at Santa Anita. Uh, the Gold Cup at Santa Anita was won by Vino Rosso, I did not think he was classy enough to win this race, but apparently I was a thousand percent wrong. Yeah, you were wrong. Great. Uh, interesting ride by Johnny V. Wide around the first turn, I thought, I don't know why he's just hanging this that horse out in the middle of the track. the instructions from Mike Rapoli really? was don't let, yeah, he, so Johnny V told me in my post-race interview that Mike Rapoli told him, you need to take it to him. Don't let that speed that horse. I think he was referring to gift, gift box. box. Right. Get out there. Now we had Blitzkrieg in there, but like still gift box was like in the catbird seat and Johnny B was giving him pressure. So in another instance, if Johnny B had sat far off of it and not been wide, gift box would have been pressuring Blitzkrieg, but wouldn't have had any pressure on him. Right. So Johnny V doing that, I feel like probably won them the race. And I was like, you went from a seven furlong race into a mile and a quarter and your owner's instructions were take it to him. Like that's some extreme confidence. In, yeah. the, uh, in the in the finishing of this horse. Vino Rosso has always been a nice horse. He won the Wood Memorial. He uh, ran in the Kentucky Derby. He was kind of a wise guy horse in the Derby. And he's proven to be a very good handicap uh, horse this year at the age of four. And I'm sure we're going to hear from him down the road. I was just shocked because, you know, when he won the Stymie, like he finished in front of Shiver Me Timbers. And if Shiver Me Timbers had been in the Gold Cup, I mean, it's not like they would have been like, yeah, he's going to be the favorite, right? <laughs> he's always back class. Uh, came off a layoff, uh, has run two good races, mm -hmm. and uh, deserved winner. Really, Congratulations. I thought nice late run from Lone Sailor, who looked amazing, by the way. Um, it's not a beauty contest, Michelle. he was like 30 lengths behind the field, I felt like. Wait, let me guess. Rosario was riding Lone Sailor. Oh, no, he was riding Gift Box. I think it was Pratt. Yeah. I think it was Pratt. Was it, was, yeah. yeah, it might have yeah. been. Good run from Lone Sailor. Thought he, good thought run. He, yeah, absolutely. Um, in the on the flip side, the Shoemaker Mile, which is the first stateside win in your in for the Breeders' Cup, uh, went to Bolo surprisingly enough in a gate to wire score. Um, that was a very impressive race. I thought he put up decent fractions, but he was unpressured and he had more than enough to sustain at the end. Yeah, congratulations to uh, Keith Brackpool's group, the uh, Pegasus, Golden Pegasus, Golden Pegasus, and Carla Gaines, who. Um, Great training job. You know, amazing training two job. Two-year layoff. Two-year uh, layoff. Two and by the way, comes out of a uh, three-other-than-allowance that has now had three winners. Mm-hmm. Um, we can talk about that later when you talk about Marky's yep. Water. Uh, but Bolo, uh, a really, really great story. I think he's seven now. Um, former back-classer, ran in these races. I remember when Midnight Storm ran against him several mm -hmm. times. Uh, and uh, it was nice to see him get that grade one victory, and congratulations to Carla and her team. Uh, the grade one gamely <clears throat> was a great race by Vasilika, former $35,000 claimer who has now banked over a million bucks, and she is, I think, 10 for 12 since being claimed by Hollendorfer. Um, 
she coming around the turn i thought she's not gonna fire today that's what i thought yeah i kind of felt that way too but she always does great job by flavian flavian pratt getting her to the outside where she likes to be and making that mm-hmm. one late run she really exploded late i think the mile is her best distance and a good training job by jerry hollander for once again for team gato and and et al um this has been a marvelous claim, one of the best ever. Where does she rank, Michelle, in the best ever oh, claims? I don't know. I still think Lava Man's probably got to be number Lava three. Man and then her. I'm sure there's others that people could think well, of. Tweet uh, us at Own a Horse. horse. A, look, Blitzkrieg um, ran in the Gold Cup, and obviously he finished last, but he's won several in a row, including a grade three off a $25,000 right. claim. And we had, um, what's the hill horse's name? Uh, Eddie Haskell. He oh, was a yeah. $50,000 claim off like a year layoff by Mark Glatt, and he has done nothing but win since then. I think he's had five, maybe six wins since then, and he won uh, a stakes race earlier on in the weekend that was a really exciting race. He won the Daytona. He loves five furlongs. Um, that was a really great claim on Mark Glatt's behalf. As right, well. but nothing like Vasilika. Vasilika? Am I saying Vasilika. it? Right? Vasilika. What does that mean again? Do we know that? It's a place. It's a place. It's a place. Vasilika. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing race. Um, then we had the Charlie Whittingham, yeah. which was won by who? Marquise who won that? Water. Marquise Water, a cowbred, cowbred son of the late tribal rule wins a, wins the Charles Whittingham. What a special day. Grade two for Little Red Feather and their partners. Uh, great group of people own Marquis Water. Congratulations to Mark Madnick, who owns the uh, largest share. Mark was a very, he was the, one of the original investors in Singletary. Um, wow. And Mark owned uh, the the screenwriting company uh, Final Draft that created uh, how you write the screenplays on on the computer. So Mark is an old friend, and congratulations to him. Congratulations to Richie Baltus, who continues to fire. And I thought Marky's Water. Uh, listen, there were a lot of impressive performances over the weekend, and you thought mm-hmm. Basilica wasn't going to fire. We were dead last when they turned for home. Yeah, right. And he he showed a a turn of foot that is so exhilarating i the word i used michelle was vicious it's like he's vicious i mean he changes leads and just ran down a pretty good group of uh older long distance and it's gonna be interesting michelle we were talking about this this morning i was at the track of um the eddie reed which mm-hmm. is a, a the probable next start for a lot of the horses that come out of races like the Charlie Whittingham and the shoemaker oh, it's so, about an eighth right right so it's, like kind of one of those it's in between yeah. Right. So you have the horses that want to run longer come back and the horses that may want to go shorter go forward. And it's really, really, it's it's a cool race and it will be interesting to see which of the horse. I thought Bowie's Hero ran really well for Phil D'Amato and uh, our friend Mark Riverboy, Martinez. Even though he's not winning as much, he still has I thought up Riv- checks left. Right. right. I thought Riverboyne ran very well. I don't know if a mile and an eighth is his best distance. So it's going right. to be interesting if he goes in there and then, you know, you'll have horses like Marky's Water who's going to cut back. And so, you know, he'll be flying late, but the, the, what people don't understand about distances is there's a big difference between a mile, even a mile and an eighth and a mile and a quarter. And there's a, yeah. even that eighth of a mile difference. It doesn't seem like a lot, but the, the pace is different. The way the horses finish are different and it, it, they are different races and use that when you are handicapping. So, um, but it should be interesting and congrats again. Uh, great job by and Tiago Pereira. Who who is red hot so right excited. now? He was so excited, and his little girl is so dang cute. That Valentina, yeah, Valentina, yeah, she's awesome. So it was um, a fun day. What else was there? There was the Monrovia Grade Three, which went to another Calbred in S Y Sky. She outgamed Belvoir Bay, who was trying to buck the Dubai bounce off the dirt. 
I mean, off the turf onto the mm-hmm. dirt. So that was a big deal because I think Belvoir Bay probably is better on the grass. Probably, but, but congratulations she is a great, to a stakes winner on dirt yeah, too. Our good but good I friend. Think it did work in yeah. Sy Sky's favor. For Owned sure. by Nick Alexander, trained by Phil D'Amato, uh, Sy Sky certainly a bright future sprinting. Um, and uh, congratulations to them. And let's see, the Summertime Oaks went to the shipper, My Majestic Rose, first start versus winners, and she ships from across the country for Rudolph Brissett, uh, and was able to win, and her owner was there, and was so, so excited. Judy Hicks owned and bred the filly. We got to get her on the show. Yeah, I know. We should have. Huh? Oh. I didn't do the post-race interview. I should have thought of that. Yeah, Judy Hicks. We'll get you on. Sorry, if you're listening. Me. Judy, if you're listening, come on the show. Come on the horse ownership experience. Uh, the Nassau was at Woodbine with Secret Message. Honey Bunny won the winning colors, which a lot of people were tweeting about that, but I didn't watch it. So I don't know if it was like an upset or not. You know, it shows how much research is really done on our show. <laughs> um, I just think she has a cool name. Honey Bunny. Um, the Salvador Mile was a really cool race. Sunny Ridge won. He is just one of those old, hard-knocking types. Uh, he beat out Diamond King, who is the younger brother to um, Belfine, Bellafina. Oh. And he's coming out of the Charlestown Classic. So that was a really good race out there at Monmouth Park. Yeah. is that? And our, um, our friend Jason Beam is announcing there now, isn't he? Jason Beam is announcing the there. The Beamer. Yeah. Beamer Awards. What else? Oh, we had the, uh, the Triple Bend, which went to Phil's horse, Airstrike beating out Sisteron, who looked like he was all of a sudden going to be like the best dirt sprinter in Southern California as he tried to take him gate to wire. Yeah, again. Um, That was a really exciting race for Airstrike to come off the pace and get his head down. Yeah, congratulations to Nick Casado and Slam Dunk Racing, who who campaigned Airstrike. And if you looked at the numbers on that race, you know, Airstrike ran a big race when he was third to King Abner uh, back in the uh, Texas Mile. Steve Sexton Mile. Yeah, Steve Sexton Mile. And if uh, he ran a zero that day, and the only horse that was really faster than him in the race was the um, favorite American Anthem, and he didn't he fire nowhere. And 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 uh, Phil told me that morning. He said, "I really like this horse. I think he's going to like the distance, and I think he's going to come with a big run." And he was like, "I think he was like sixteen to one or something, Michelle, wasn't he?" Yeah, he was a price, and he had actually Zoe told me too. He had given she gave him credit because she said, "I talked to Phil this morning, and he said." My horse is a sneaky long shot. Like, I really like him in here. Yeah. Good job by Phil D'Amato, as always, uh, getting that's two two stake wins on the weekend and a good third from Bowie's Hero. I think Phil D'Amato is uh, is kind of getting hot right now, so be careful if you're out there gambling. Happens to be good a good job, friend of mine, Phil. too. Yeah. Um, Ronan, if you're listening, let's get um, let's get Ryan Flanders on. I, I, I Last week, if for those of you who weren't listening, or if you're just downloading the show at uh, iTunes or LA Talk Radio, uh, we were talking about the contests, the handicapping contests, which are, are getting more and more popular. And, uh, so Michelle reached so out we're to veering off our normal, yeah, we're veering, on. which Michelle hates, but I like, because I like to do different things on these podcasts or as Michelle likes to say, radio shows. I like, I like pod. I think pods are popular, Michelle. I don't know what you're talking about. It the pod is the way of the future. Okay. Yeah. So I think Ronan's uh Ronan, you dialing? What's happening back there? Anyway, um we're gonna have Ryan Flanders any any second. Um what else do we need? What else are we doing? Um well I do you know, you wanna bump in real quick? I have an aftercare corner for this week. You do? I do. Um okay, go. Do it now because we're we're getting the number from uh Okay. So Bob Baffert had a really cool horse named uh Show Me to Loot and he was not running great. He won an allowance race a couple back, but they dropped him in for a tag, and he just ran off the off the screen. He didn't run any good at all. And instead of just, you know, 
uh, figure out something else to do with him. He was retired and given to Jimmy Barnes's wife, Dana, who was a longtime gallop person for Bob Baffert. And she just recently retired from galloping. And she actually used to gallop uh, his dad, the Colt's dad. And so she has herself a new riding horse. Oh, that's amazing. I thought so. I love that. Uh, I, I want to make an announcement, too, Michelle, while we have this brief pause, uh, as I type in the phone number for uh, Ronan. Oh, uh, I sent it to him. Yeah, he didn't get it. Um, uh, the first Sunday of the Del Mar meet, we're having our Karma event, the uh, hoedown again. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be a blast. So it's going to be so fun. I was a little loose. I'm not going to lie. I was a loose. But it was fun. The bull riding was amazing. And uh, we're going to do it again. Gamblers oh, Anonymous. There he is. Gamblers Anonymous, <laughs> Ryan Flanders. Thank you for joining the Horse Ownership Experience. It's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. It's good to talk with you both. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. You know, I was just telling our listeners last week we were we were talking about contests, and I think contests are really cool. My uh, my business partner Gary Fenton, he loves it, and we have our, our good friend Joe Rosen. He oh Michelle Joe qualified for the BCBC um, yesterday. Right. He had a really oh, great that's day. Awesome. So uh, Ryan, I was wondering who was going to finish second in that contest. There you go, there you go. <laughs> but Ryan, so to, before we before we get started, because we want to know all about strategies and the way the different contests are formatted, um, but just Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in in the contest realm. Uh, the contest realm. You know, I just had a buddy that that told me about a website at Horse Tourneys, um, and so I, I just kind of jumped in on that and and ended up being fortunate enough to get into the NHC one year. And when I went to that, I was hooked. Uh, it's a blast of a contest. Met a lot of cool people. That you know, horse racing is a an interesting fraternity of folks, but to share something in the love of the sport with, with other people is, is pretty cool. So that was a great experience. And, uh, you know, it's something I, I try and do every year to, to get into that one as well as some other big ones. Were you, were you always a handicapper? I, I assume you were, you know, I grew up at the, at the track. Um, my stepfather trained horses and, and at Caliente in Mexico. Uh, so every weekend from the time I was very little until into high school, we went to the track and, you know, uh, grew up on the backside, grew up around horses, was always trying to pull pieces of information out of my, my parents. It was a good way to grow up. It's pretty cool. You know, a lot of kids, when you tell them your dad's a horse trainer, it, it, it's an eye opener. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was a good experience. So how did you fall into the gambling side rather than the owner trainer breeder side you know for me it's it's a long convoluted story the the short version is i I was a high school dropout for for a little while and um ended up at the track uh spending a lot of time there and not gambling so much but definitely getting involved in the, the intellectual side of reading the form um understanding data and then as I, as I got older, I really fell in love with, with that whole side of the game, which is handicapping and, and gambling. It didn't happen until after college. Um, but I, I love that aspect of the, the intellectual handicapping. Data numbers do a lot of, you know, I have a software program that I use, um, which helps quite a bit. It helps you be efficient with your time. And then I spent a ton of notes 
spent a ton of time making notes um, that I input into my formulator and I can use later. That is true. Um, so Ryan calls on me it. constantly like, did you watch this race? Go back right. and watch this race. So, so Yeah, I, I love that. So for me, I, I love watching replays. A lot of people don't. It takes a lot of time. But that's the kind of thing that I love. So I love the sport, and I love to, to spend time trying to figure out that puzzle. So. Yeah, I was going to say, I've always said every race is like a puzzle, and that's what keeps especially us crazy horse lovers and gamblers coming back. Ryan Flanders, what what you talked about several things in that comment. You talked about uh, replays, obviously, that we can go through in a minute. You talked about, I think, formulator, and then you said you have your own software. Is it your own software program, or what is your style of uh, of research? Uh, no, it's not my own software. Um, it was developed by a guy named Ken Massa. It's called HTR, and they have several different bots or portals that you can go through. Um, the one that I like to use is called, uh, it's a velocity bot, and it's basically, I, I can... I can understand how fast a horse is running in the most important quadrants of a race, those being the first, the half, and then then the last part of the race, the last quarter of a mile. So hmm. I can filter it in a way that, you know, I combine that with my own handicapping using just basic PPs and then combining that with replays to, to you know, to get an idea of what I think is going to happen. And then, and then from the contest standpoint, you obviously have to incorporate as much value as you can. doesn't be any good if, if you land on favorites all the time. So Right. What is, I mean, you, you, you said a velocity bot. Michelle, I, forgive me. I don't know what, what a bot no is or HD. Is this like a subscription so, or is this, is this like, yeah, I, I've said but, uh, race lens has become very popular and they're getting out there. Is it similar to this? Explain it to our guests and, and to me and Michelle because we have no idea what you're talking about. So, for example... It, there are different, you know, some of some softwares just spit out numbers and they say, okay, well, this this horse is great value, and they select a certain race. For me, what the Velocity Bot does is when I get in there, I can select a certain race and it can tell me fa how fast feet per second that horse is running. So, I'll give you an example. Sure. Um, when American Pharaoh got beat by Ohm at Del Mar. Ohm had run over 61 feet per second in his, his only start. And so even though American Pharaoh was, everyone was really high on him, 61 feet per second is unbelievably fast for a two-year-old. And you don't see it very often. So that was an automatic play for me. And it's something I never would have found before. I think he, he cleared pretty easy in his only start, but he absolutely fell apart. But when I looked at that, it's just a gas tank, right? So if if you're running that fast early and, and, and you cave, you get a pass. Whereas if I'm just looking at a basic PP, anybody can look at the form and say, okay, well, they ran 21.67 and they finished 12 flat, say, so they crawled home. But if if you exceed a certain feet per second on this software, they're automatic playbacks. Wow. Um, Interesting. That goes way back, but he, you know, he was like twenty to one. He paid forty bucks, and it's a horse I never ever would have found if not for the software. And, and I feel like I can read the form pretty well. So shockingly, we remember all well, those types I don't know, of races. You bet Rimska this weekend. <laughs> well, no, we're, we don't want to talk about the losers, Michelle. Yeah, give the guy I mean, a that's, break. That's, that's unfair. Ryan, all right. 
thing to do. Okay, let's get into this a little bit because I'm really interested in this because I want to start playing contests. So so treat me like that. Now, there's so many different ones. There are these pick and prays, there's live, and then there's live money. Um, just really quickly, take us through those and, and tell us which ones you prefer to play, and then we're going to talk about strategies. Yeah, they're all they're all interesting. Um, you know, I prefer the pick and praise uh, because then you don't run into people that are just playing the board. So a pick and pray contest is, you know, they give they give you a sequence of, of races that you have to pick from. So they're all mandatory races, and you know there might be eight, ten, or twelve of them. And you just go through and you, you select one horse and you, you have an alternate runner um, in case your horse scratches. And whoever ends up with the most mythical money at the end of the contest wins. So you're, you're basically playing $2 to win in place okay. uh, on, every, on every race. Okay. Um, but, and, and not all those so races have, are, at, are at Santa Anita. They might have a Belmont race. They might have a Gulfstream race. They might have, right? Yeah, there's different sequences of events. And let me, I know we're going to talk about strategy later, but how do you compare or, or sometimes I struggle because I don't know the trainers and the jockeys and, and how fast they normally go early in a six furlong race at Gulfstream. How do you do that? Do, does the Velocity Bot help with that? It does. So I, I'm pretty in tune with the run-up. Um, I can probably recite every run up at most distances at every major track. Um, wow. I don't know if that's a good, bad thing. I, I hope my wife's not listening <laughs> to this. Um, but yeah, like for example, Churchill Downs, the run up is 180 feet going six furlongs. So you always see horses run very fast early there. And it's not that they're quicker than the ones at Goldstream. It's because they're running full speed when they trip the wire. Um, and the velocity shows all of that. So you can compare horses that run at Gulfstream versus those that run at Churchill versus those that run at Santa Anita. Um, so the fractions, they don't, you don't have to be in tune with those tracks if, if you, if you get know those what the run-up is. Okay, cool. Basically. Um, makes a lot of sense. So then yeah, you like golf, right. Yeah. So, and the reason, yeah, and the reason I'm going to go back to your previous comment, the reason, and Michelle said this too, she likes the pick and pray. So the reason you don't necessarily like the live ones is because if someone gets behind all of a sudden by race three of the 10 race contest, they're only looking at 15 to one shots or 20 to one shots. Right. And they're just hoping rather than handicapping. Is that correct? Would that be a correct assessment? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, not always. I mean, I don't do that. Um, because I think it's a good opportunity to pass people, right? So if I get behind in one of those things, I kind of try and stick to my guns and who I like anyway. Okay. Because if I like a five to two shot and I'm behind and it's only been three races in the contest, chances are pretty good. You're going to be one of the only people that have that horse. And, oh, right. You know, if you can string a couple of those together, you can catch up pretty quick. Okay. And then you have a clear shot at the leader, right? So if somebody has say 50 or $60 and you've only got, you know, less than 10, say that five to two shots going to go a long way because what you do is you you pass those people so that you're not pairing the board like in poker. Right. So if I pass 15 or 20 people, then I can play a long shot late that I might like more than one that I'm just stabbing with. And I can, I don't have to worry about somebody in front of me having that same horse. Is that kind of cheating when you like throw the long shot, like, it's not cheating. Like when you throw shit against the wall. <laughs> it's not cheating. It's strategy. That's what they <laughs> no, have to do. It's not cheating, but 
it's one of the reasons why I don't like the live contest as much. I mean, I've been run over a lot um, where you're ahead and a bomb wins. There's no way you're going to have them. And somebody runs you over with him. It, it was almost a disadvantage to be winning the contest. Right. Which to me is kind of unfair, but that's just, you know, that's, that's the way some of these things are run. The, the live events like the NHC, for example, is live, but they've got six different tracks that you can play from. So you have so, a lot of options, right? Right. But so, so if somebody hits a bomb, you don't have to worry about half the field having them because it's they're they're optional races, right? So yeah. the odds of somebody having that where there are six different tracks in play aren't nearly as good as if you're playing one that, you know, it's a mandatory race. You might have a, a one to two shot that nobody takes, which is kind of silly. Right. right. That makes sense. So, yeah. Now then, let, let's move on to the third style, which is the style I kind of like. I like the BCBC. I like live money, where it's your money. You could bet it any way you want. There's certain races you have a minimum per race. You could go all in. You could make a big score. Um, tell us a little bit about those contests and what you like or dislike about them. Um, yeah, I like the fact that they're real cash. So sure. I, I will never buy into one of those things. So I, I try and win my seats into those. So it's nice just having a bankroll where... No matter what, you can just take it home. Right. Um, the, the thing that I dislike about the live contest is it's no different. To, to me, it's, it's flawed in that 95 out of 100 of them are won in the last race. So Interesting. Unless you have the courage to make a huge bet in the last race, you're probably not going to win. That contest probably isn't for you. Unless you make right, like when you can see everyone's uh, dollar amounts, and then you need to figure out how you can win or not win, just knowing the category. Yeah, yeah, similar. That's a good analogy, you know. So for me, I don't, I don't like those as much unless um, I like something maybe that can put me into a position where I'm top ten in the contest, and then I can still make a bet to win the contest. But if I lose, I'm still taking home money. Sure. but it's it's hard, you know. My wife would be the first to tell you she doesn't like to see me push twenty thousand to win on a horse in the in the Breeders' Cup, just because I have a chance to make a big score. Now the prize money that's huge too, though, right? So you could have if if you're if you've got ten thousand dollars and and fifty might win you the contest, you can play a nine to two shot, right? And then, sure get that 50 grand but then also win 200,000. So you're not getting 9 to 2 anymore. You're getting a massive number. Right. And so in those cards, yeah. all your chips in, you can make a lot of money. And in those contests, you just said to win. Do you do you normally play win? Do you play exactas? Do you play doubles? Obviously you can't play pick threes, but you can play doubles, win, uh win and place, you can play exactas, you can play trifectas. What what's your kind of style in those um what I'll call live money contests? I like to play to win, uh, and I like to play doubles. Unfortunately, my go-to bet, I like to play pick threes and pick fours, uh, but you're not allowed to play those. So I'm kind of a little bit out of my element. I don't play tries typically. Um, Every once in a while, I'll save with an exacta. If I like somebody on top, I'll bet him to win and then uh, then back him up in an exacta. But I think players that are – that bet vertically or at a big advantage in those contests because, you know, you've got to find, you've got to find some value when you think, you know, if you think Roy H is going to win, it doesn't, it doesn't do you any good to bet him. Sure. You know, if he's two to one in the contest. So 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I like the vertical versus the horizontal uh, style. Um, I think w- one of the things, let's go back to just general handicapping because I, 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 people come to the track all the time and how do you bet? And I'm, I'm terrible. I mean, I think I'm very knowledgeable when it comes to what horses might run good. I can hit a long shot every once in a while, but I'm a terrible money manager. And I think there needs to be consistency. And I think that's what you're kind of leading to. Like, if you like betting pick threes, then bet pick threes. But don't start betting tries and exactas and uh, doubles and everything like that because I think it's just too much. Is that right? Or would you agree with that philosophy? Well, sure. You, you got you to gotta stick with your strengths. And, and if you're playing in a con, the reason why I love con, one reason is because I'm similar to you, I think. If, if you're a bad money manager, I'm terrible. <laughs> um, I'm a terrible money manager. I, I admit it. Um, if I get hot, uh, it's one thing where, you know, it's, it becomes easier to, to make plays for me. But sometimes when you're tilting, you know, you're betting a bunch of stuff that you probably wouldn't normally play. In contests, you've got to have a pretty good plan, I think, if you want to win. Uh, That's a great thing. So you've make got a to plan. stick with your strongest What's that? I think it's a great thing. Make a plan. Like if we're trying to come up with uh, ideas for you, okay, you're about to do a contest. Like the first thing you need to do is kind of have a plan, have an idea, right? Yeah. I, I what I do every time is I'll I'll study the last races first because those will typically decide a live cash contest. So in the live cash contest, I'll I'll start in the back, hmm. um, and then I'll I'll end up at the front because if you have a strong opinion in the last two races there's no reason to kind of go crazy early. I mean, you can kind of just plot around and, and hopefully build your, your bankroll up and then just let it go at the end. That's a great so, point, but that's yeah, a that's, great point. I think a, that's a really good idea. Do you ever share, like, do you, do you share your info? Like with people, like if you're friends with them, are you like, Hey, I'm going to play, you know, Billy called me and said that mirth is so live. Are you going to play this one? Oh, you'd have lost. I, I, um, it depends. Um, I don't have a problem sharing methodology or sharing my notes, but, um, I typically oh, don't bet trip horses playing. a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Well, wait, wait, let, wait, stop tennis? there. When you say trip horses, because you no, said, tip horses, Oh, tip horses. horses. I'm sorry. I thought you said trip horses because you do, you said video and let's go back to that for a second because I love watching videos, but I think sometimes, um, I can fall into that trap of this horse has had so much trouble last time. And I'll tell you my theory is that a lot of times horses have trouble just because they're not fast enough. That goes back to the velocity bot. Uh, I can't believe I just said that. Um, do what, <laughs> well, how about this week when I thought Desert Stone was going to run so oh, much better because there's trouble last time and it bugger stayed in the gate. Right. Well, that has nothing to do with it. But yeah, am, am I, when you watch videos, what are you specifically looking for, uh, uh, Ryan? You know, I never um, the, the obvious trouble horses. I, I could, I could give a rip about. Um, I'm looking for very subtle trouble that you can see a horse's body language, and you can tell if he was happy or not. I, I think there's a lot you can see. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to boast, but I, I do believe that I can. No, see that's why a you're here. We, maybe, we, we okay, want you to boast. Maybe some others don't. Um, like improbable, for example, uh, the, the race at Oakland, where he, um, where he kind of went down in the gate. What's that? When he went down in the gate, that one. Well, 
it was a backstretch run where you, you could clearly see that, that improbable didn't like the off track. His gait completely changed when he, when he came out of the first turn and he was almost climbing for the entire backstretch. Mm-hmm. It was very, very subtle. Um, so to me, that was a huge trouble line and he was an automatic toss in the Derby for me. Um, Good. He ran okay, but I thought he had a perfect trip in the Derby as well. And it looked—he actually looked like he got over that ground a lot better than he did in Arkansas. But that's the kind of stuff that I look at. I mean, he his gait—it had changed, and the rider immediately—you know—I looked at the head-on, immediately moved him outside, and made an early run at, at Omaha Beach. And uh, then his gait, when he when he got close enough to where the throwback wasn't hitting, his gait changed back. Mm-hmm. Kind of stuff that I look for. Um, body language to me is huge when they're in between horses. Um, and then occasionally, you know, if riders, it's funny, riders make tons of mistakes when they're going into the far turn. Uh, so the far turn for me is big when they, when it's time to make a decision, you may not see anything in the trouble line. If they lose their spot because you don't get the kind of ride that you think he should have had, that's that's a subtle line for sure. me too. So I follow that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, people come to the track and Michelle, I'm sure you get this all the time. And they ask me how mu- how important is the jockey? How much put a percentage on it? Ryan, I'll put this to you as a professional handicapper. How, do you, do you look at the jockey or do you, how, how important is it to you? Um, gosh, I, I don't want to sound like a jerk to jockeys, but I, I really don't care a whole lot. Um, the better riders are usually over bet. Correct. Um, I think they're all very capable, uh, for the most part. I think they're like quarterbacks in the NFL. If I can make that analogy, you've got your top ranked guys and you've got your guys that, that you just don't like, but for the most part, (laughs) (laughs) for the most part, I think they're all pretty capable. If they have, if they have the offensive line that they should have blocking for them, I think they can all throw. Um, so uh, jockeys, to me, are the same. You know, that's most of them are pretty capable. I, I think that's good. Crap. Thank think, you, Ryan, for thank bringing you, Ryan. a football analogy to our show. Michelle, Michelle, um, like well, she almost won our fantasy football league last year. Um, oh. you know, Ryan, it's funny. A lot of this is this show is called the Horse Ownership Experience, and usually we have owners on, but I wanted to do something different, and Michelle hates me for it. But that's besides the point. The um, a lot of people say to me, uh, when uh, how come you don't have this guy in ownership? Um, he's obviously a gambler and I, I tell people all the time that handicappers and, and, and betters and gamblers, um, are very different than owners. Um, can you explain that? Or do you have a lot of people in your circles in these handicapping circles that also own horses? Um, I've got one buddy that, that he, he jumps in every now and again. He only has a few horses at a time. Um, and he's probably the only one that I can think of that does it seriously. I've had a couple get in and, and they jump right out, but you know, I, I don't have the answer to that question. Um, I've never thought I've never considered it. I know it's, it's tough to get involved in horses. It's expensive. It's a sport of Kings, right? So I think that's what, that's what you guys do. You've got a syndicate, which is a great way to do it. Um, get everyone involved. And then it's, it becomes kind of a party atmosphere, right? It's, <laughs> it's fun for everybody and absolutely lose with your friends, but you've really got to have a lot of money if you want to own horses individually. And I'm kind of a narcissist. I'd want all the power. Sure. So that kind of puts me 
out unless I ran my own syndicate, which mm-hmm. I would never do. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll partner up one sure. day. By the way, Michelle, um, my mom thinks Ryan is very cool. I just got a, got a text message. Cool. Um, okay, right. We are literally. <laughs> I like your mom. Uh, yeah, my, no, my mom is very cool. I mean, she loves the races. Uh, we have, we have a couple minutes left, I, Michelle. I, I just I want to well, go I ahead. Wanted to, I wanted to talk about he was at the final table one year. We talk about horse ownership experience, and obviously he's not going to tell us about winning the Derby. But can you tell us about the experience of being at the final table and what that was like? It was a blast. You know, that was the first year I ever did uh, the. the tournament itself so i qualified it was i don't even remember 2014 or so and um i i had one angle that i rode all the way to the final table and that was they were riding races at oaklawn and they still do uh for three and up in january so older i think i had three i think i had three horses that were that were 20 to one or over win and about two hours wow and they were all at oaklawn so i was just betting older horses at oaklawn and these baby races you know and they yeah. and uh was lucky enough where i just lapped the field and found myself at the final table playing for a million bucks which was a blast uh got really unlucky i, I had a terrible beat um which i relive probably once a week while I sleep. Who was it? Who was it? Wait, who was it? Do you still think about mistakes that you made and things like that? No, not mistakes. I mean, you got to kind of just live with the consequences. You you embrace your decisions and you got to go for it. You've got to have the courage to play prices. I played a first timer at Tampa Bay that I was convinced they were cheating with. The horse had uh, one published work on the form and it was a very slow three quarter work from the gate. Um, which I love when horses come into races running gate, gate. Um, that's an angle for me with first timers. And I thought it was very strange that they only published one workout and my software had the race as extremely weak. So I played and, uh, yeah, it got, this horse got left by at least five. And I thought, okay, well that's that. I, I lost that, that bullet. And the thing ended up making the lead. Midway in the far turn, opened up and got run over by the favorite by about a neck. Oh, God. And the bummer part was, had that horse won, I would have been able to play, I remember the name of the horse, uh, Lakerville, coming down the hill, who was 8-1. to one, Oh, yeah. Who right. I wanted to play. Oh, yeah. It, it was, uh, That's it was a tough one because I ended up having to play a horse that was like 30-1 to one that got beat about a length and got run over by Lairkerville. So I had that oh, first timer no. one, I think I would have won the contest. Wow. So that was like a million dollar breaking slow day for me. That was kind of fun. But it was a blast. A lot of fun. Um, they changed the rules since I was there. When, when I when I was in it, you were allowed to actually, ch- they posted everybody's picks before the really? race started. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you could see who everyone had and they allowed you to cancel. Oh, I don't like that, yeah, but which was crazy. awful. No, that's bad. But do yeah, they still was, post the picks of who everybody had right before the race or no? Once the gate opens, they post them on the board. Okay. Um, okay. So you can root against if like if I'm like, oh, I'm playing against Ryan, I see you have a horse that's different, I can root against you. Yeah. I exactly. Ha- <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it was uh that was the one flaw and they corrected it the next year, but at the time, you know, if you're leading the contest and you pick a horse it was a little bit unfair that everybody could just try and run you over and go change their picks to another horse. 
And that was an interesting, the last race of the contest was won by a Doug O'Neill horse that um, I think he was 11 or 12 to one going in the gate. And the, the guy that ended up finishing second picked the horse and the horse ended up paying $16. Oh, he went down uh, right so before the gate. That's a bad wow. beat as well. It cost him about a half million. Gee, many Christmas. I'm sure there's so Gee, many stories like this. And I'm just upset when I lose my $2 place bet. <laughs> I, have, I have four more <laughs> questions. I have four questions for Ryan that we need to do in like three minutes. Okay? No, ready? I'm going to rip these off. Number one, if someone's out there listening and they want to get started in contests, what do they do? Where, where would you recommend they go? Horsetourneys.com. Okay. It's a, it's a great site. And and that's also does We're that live on track at San Anita, you can always come. Well, yeah, those are live, sure, at San Anita. Okay, number 2, who you talked a little bit about the derby. Who was your derby pick? Um Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I I didn't have a real strong opinion. I liked like five horses. I okay. didn't play the race. You didn't play the race. Okay. Was Country House one of your I'm five the, horses? I'm the one guy that loves horse races and didn't play it. <laughs> that's okay. Um okay. But I loved War of Will and the Freakness. Of course, we all did. Um, all right. Uh, question three, who do you like in the Belmont? I know that, I know your stats aren't out yet, but if you had to kind of give us a, a pick ahead of time. Um, it's going to depend on the, on the, on the tote board. You're going to think I'm nuts. I'm still, and I know Michelle's going to give me a ton of crap. <laughs> I'm, I still think spinoff has a fighting chance. Uh, he's going to be an absolute <laughs> massive Bomb. number. Okay. All right, we got um, you down. I, I, I think my, I think I learned my lesson yesterday uh, talking crap about Todd Fletcher. Yes. Uh, okay, that was number three. Yeah. War of Will for me is the most logical. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Tacitus, who I think will be the favorite. Um, who knows? I think either one of those will go favorite, but I like War of Will. I mean, he's pretty solid. Um, I actually added another question. So here's number four. Number four, we're going to do a uh, uh, an amazing handicapping contest this summer at uh, Del Mar for LRF Cares, which is our charity. Would you ever come uh, before the day and do a little uh, kind of preview, uh, sit down with uh, a bunch of bunch of people who would love to hear some tips for the day? Do you ever do that? Can, for okay. charity? Okay, we got you for that. Okay, my last question before we have to let you go. Could you get me the velocity bot for Marquis Waters last quarter mile in the Charlie <laughs> Charles Whittingham? Actually, I think I can. Um when did he when did he run last? He ran on Saturday. He won the Charles Whittingham on Saturday and he ran a sub 23 last quarter in a mile and a quarter race. Oh, I can actually, uh, well, you know, I'll have to wait until okay. um, you he get, runs again. Okay. You get that. You get that. Well, maybe that Eddie read, but you get that. We'll, we'll tweet. Is there anything you, uh, anything else you're promoting? I mean, you've been fantastic. This is, I, I could talk to you for two hours more. Promoting? Um, not really. No. Um, okay. I have to think about that one, but uh, I'm, I'm promoting Michelle Hughes for next business. She's gonna. Uh, we're gonna go into business together, and and whoa, we're gonna whoa, buy whoa. a ton of horses for Little Red Feather. Well, that I mean, that sounds like a great, great plan. I love that. Well, no, we appreciate Ryan. I don't know what it'll it'll be, but we're gonna make millions. <laughs> buy, buy a ton of horses. Ryan Flanders, thank you very much for spending the time with us today. I'm sure the people loved it, and continued success. We're gonna talk to you about our uh, LRF Cares contest. We'll have you out there, and and really, really appreciate you coming on. You got it anytime. Thanks, Billy. Okay. Thanks. Ryan Flanders here on the...
on the horse ownership experience. That was so fun, Michelle. That, did you see how excited I got? I know. He was like not gonna answer my phone. I'm like totally asking this guy, and I could hear you like writing down things. Oh yeah, I was writing down questions, and I was like, and I was texting Michelle like, let me just let me just keep going. Let I, me just jump in here. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I find it so interesting to talk to those guys because they, no one does, right? Where are you gonna hear that information? I mean, that's like right. the fact that he said, look at the last races first. Like, I'll take that away right now. You know, for contests, like especially those live money contests, look at the last race. If you really like someone, and you know, get there because I have problems with that. I'll like someone in the third race and I'll go all in and be out. And then my horse in the last race will win. And then maybe I could have won the contest. Right. Right. So I, thought, I never I never thought to do that either. No, I thought it was really, really smart. So thank you, Ryan. Um, Thank you, Taylor Made. Uh, uh, thank you to Delmar and Santa Anita. Michelle, what do we have on the agenda? We have a good weekend at uh, Santa Anita coming yeah, up in our last minute. Maria and the Honeymoon Stakes on Saturday. And then we also have the Cinema Stakes on Sunday, which I've never heard of. I wonder if that's a new no, uh, I think it, race. And it, then I think it's for three-year-old on the grass is the cinema usually. I, I don't remember it. Yeah. Okay. Is it? I think so. Okay. Well, yeah. that's good. It used to be at um, Hollywood then, Park. Okay. So that's probably why I just don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then on Monday... June 3rd, we have the phase acceptance sale. Oh, right. Right. That'll be fun. If, you, if you're if you interested in learning about how the sales work and the previews, I think they preview on... Oh, they're oh. going to preview, preview on Monday, Monday and they sell on right? Wednesday. Right. Yeah. They preview on next Monday and sell on Wednesday. If you're sell near Wednesday, Santa Anita, yeah, you want to learn about five. the sales, go out to the Santa Anita. It'll be really cool. They'll be breezing. Uh, it's a good crop of two-year-olds, uh, facing Tipton, Boyd Browning, putting it on. And, uh, I think it'll be exciting if anybody wants to learn about the sales or maybe we'll have next Tuesday, someone from the sales, uh, come on, talk about that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay. Uh, also, Ryan just texted me. He forgot to plug the, in the money players podcast okay. that, um, Jonathan Kinchin does with Peter Fontenelle. Oh, right. And yeah, so definitely that's a must listen if you're trying to get into like, serious handicapping and like if the contest stuff is interested to you like that's where you want to check out let's do it the money players podcast michelle i can't tell you how great that was i really appreciate reaching out to ryan and it was a lot of fun and thank you for everything you do thanks for all the to all the listeners you can tweet us at own a horse at bklrf at uh michelle uh the michelle you not just michelle you the michelle you the one and only michelle you uh we'll see you next tuesday i mean what a great what a great show so fun. Billy, did you just say see you next Tuesday? I'm sorry. That's a bad thing. My mom used to say that. Rita, if you're listening, I apologize. That was, I was really meant it. Like, see you guys next Tuesday, I should have said. I'm sorry. It's terrible. That is hilarious. Sorry, guys. We'll edit that out. I'm going to make new shirts. The Ho Show. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> Goodbye, Michelle. Love you. Love you. Bye. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. 
Midnight Storm, standing at TaylorMade Farm.